All joking aside, happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Fathers, would you stand up, please? Go ahead and stand to your feet. Dads in the house. Show them some love. Let's give them a round of applause. Okay, okay, okay. It's not Mother's Day. Let's tone it down a couple notches. Go ahead and open your Bibles, if you would, with me. I promise this is our last week. Psalm 23, go ahead and find it. I graduated high school in the summer, or in May of 98. The summer of 98, I learned a very valuable life lesson, right? A very valuable life lesson that everyone needs to know. It's this. When seeking out or starting a new job, a job description is important, all right? Knowing the job that you're about to get into you're about to start is vitally important. I lacked what some people might call drive or initiative or purpose. As an 18, 19 year old young man, I had no plans to go to college, but I grew up in a blue collar family. And so my father hung garage doors for the majority of my life. And he was not about to let me stay home and do nothing all summer well, I kind of figured things out. So he said, hey, uh, good news. I've got you a job. I lined you up with a job. He said, it's going to be an easy job. No sweat. You just show up. Uh, you'll probably have to sweep the warehouse, you know, but you'll get to hang out. I mean, it's in the air conditioning. Not a, not, a, not a tough job at all. Pays decent. So my first day at work, this place called Building Specialties, a commercial sheetrock uh, company out of downtown Oklahoma City. I showed up in flip-flops, shorts, and a T-shirt, hair down to my shoulders, long blonde hair just blowing in the wind, you know? I walked in the front door, that commercial construction company, and said, hey, my name's Terry, I'm here for my first day at work. And they looked at me, and they just started laughing. They said, son, take yourself, they didn't say that, but take yourself home, come back in some blue jeans and some closed-toed shoes, and then we'll talk about work. So I came back. My mom met me off the freeway. I never forget, my mom met me halfway, gave me some shoes and some jeans. I get back to work. When I show up, I'm put on a three-man crew, a three-man construction crew. Walk out in the yard of this big construction company and there's a huge truck with another huge flatbed trailer and it's full of sheetrock, full of sheetrock. I walk up, crew chief, his name was Bubba. I, true story, his name was Bubba. He had on like this cut-off flannel shirt just ripped muscles, you know, had a mullet. I should have gone home then. I should have known. Like, if you ever show up for work and the guy's name's Bubba, it's, gonna be a, it's gonna, not going to be a good day for you. So Bubba, myself, and this other guy go out, and we load in sheetrock to this construction site all day long. One sheet after another, stacking them in piles in every space. You gotta have 26 in here and 12 in here. 
and sheetrock comes in pairs. If you don't know this, you know, that comes in a pair of two and you, you, you can rip this little tab and you can single them up. Bubba wouldn't let you do that. It was, you'd, you had to keep pace with Bubba. I walked in the front door of my house that night. My father was seated right there in his recliner. I walked in and he just laughed. He just laughed at me. I was dragging, dead tired, sunburns. He was just like, how was your first day? Thanks a lot, Dad. Job description would have been helpful. Being a father, raising a family can feel a lot like showing up to a job and not knowing what you've gotten yourself into. It can. I remember coming home with our oldest daughter, London. She's here this morning. I remember coming home with her and we'd been at the hospital, you know, and you get people taking care of you, and nurses are coming in and out, and family coming up to see you, and everything's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but there's people around, there's processes. We got home, and I felt this immediate burden that it was all on us. And I, I, as a father, I had, to, I had to figure it out. I stayed up for the first 36 hours that Sweet London was home, and I realized that uh, that was not sustainable, you know, that watching, I had like three cameras set up and I had the crib monitor in her bed and I had all those things. But I realized that's not sustainable. What, what does it really mean to be a dad? What does it really mean to be a father? Why is Psalm 23 so beloved? Why is it so memorized and recited? Why do so many people go to it in times of trouble? It's because it's one of the greatest pictures of the heart of a father in all of Scripture. We recite this at gravesides and funerals and in the midst of difficulty because it tells us, it reminds us as Christ followers, like here's who our Heavenly Father is. This is the Father that we have. This is how He watches us and provides for us and cares for us. And we've been unpacking this chapter for what seems like two years now, right? We've been walking through it and breaking it down and learning that relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. It's a beautiful picture of the heart of a father. And so here's the big idea today. And here's what I wanna talk about. Here's the big idea. As the good shepherd tends his flock, so a father tends his family. That's it. There's a picture in this chapter, there's a job description for dads. It shows us how a father is to serve, to lead, and to guide his family. So look at it with me, Psalm 23. And I want us to break it down really just in three chunks. Verses one through three to start, it says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The first part of a job description for fathers is this. A father provides. A father provides. When you read that chunk of scripture, it's all about how the shepherd ensures that the sheep have all their needs met. And we've talked about how we, you, there's a deeper thing happening here. It's not just the simple basic needs of life. Like th those words that David uses point to a nourishment of the soul and how the shepherd brings peace to the sheep, how he provides 
way beyond just the physical. But I wanted to make it very clear as well that food, shelter, clothing, all those things, the basic needs, that's a good endeavor. And I want to applaud people because there's a lot of people in this room, a lot of moms and dads in this room who are raising a family. And man, you are working hard. You are working hard. You're putting in long hours. You're doing the tough things. You're making sacrifices to provide for your family. And a father does provide. But it's really more than just the basic stuff. It's a little bit deeper than that. As a matter of fact, I would say it this way. The greatest gift or the greatest thing that a father can provide for his children is his presence in their life. Let me say it again. The greatest thing a father can do, the greatest thing a father can provide is presence in the life of his children and presence in the life of his family. I remember all the really cool gifts and things that I got from my father. And I grew up in the 80s, and I remember so many of those vivid, like the Mongoose BMX bike. Anyone have a Mongoose BMX bike? Like that was the thing. I remember getting, I remember like having to have a Nintendo when they first came out. I remember all Air Jordan. I remember all the things that my dad provided me with. I was thinking about this too. Um, I've got an eight-year-old. My youngest is eight. And I was eight, nine years old. And I remember I had a three-wheeler, a pellet gun, and a boom box all by the age of eight. Like how scary is that today? Like who in the right mind would give an eight-year-old, but I had all those things, and those things were fun and they were cool. But I'll tell you this, beyond, way beyond those things, I remember and have so many vivid memories of my father in the stands cheering me on at football games and in the bleachers at my basketball games. I remember the time he scooped me up from high school my senior year uh, and got me out of class early to go watch the Rolling Stones. I remember like all those things, those were times that we spent together. And my father's been gone for over 20 years now and I would trade it all. I would trade all those things for just one more day with my dad. For just one more day with my dad, right? Because the greatest thing a father can provide for his family, provide for his children, is presence, and presence does something. The presence of a father in our lives, it does something. When David's writing this, you can, you can hear it in the way that he speaks. God's presence in the life of David was stirring something up in him. Uh, my youngest hope wanted to learn how to ride a bike, and riding a bike, uh, in my opinion, is the greatest test of patience for a parent, right? And so if she wants to ride a bike, we go and get her a bike, we take her outside, we get her there on the sidewalk and get her up and we talk about how it happens and how it works. And she, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got one hand on the steering, on the steering wheel and one hand, uh, or handlebars rather, one hand on the small of her back and we're, we're doing it together. You know, time after time after time after time and she would fall and get up, we'd start over. A couple of days into this, uh, she got to where, I could tell she got to where she had it down. You know, she was getting it. And so we get her out there after school one day and she's excited, you know, like day three or four of learning how to ride her bike and set her up straight. All right, babe, start pedaling. And 
I've got just my right hand in the small of her back. And she starts pedaling down the sidewalk and I'm holding it there, I'm whispering to her, you've got this, you can do it. You know, it's all you, you don't need my help. And so she's pedaling, pedaling, pedaling. And I take my hand off the small of her back and immediately she just tumbles to the ground, wipes out. I rush over there to see her and she's got these big crocodile tears coming down her face and she's crying. She says, Dad, why did you do that? What are you talking about, babe? You had it. You, you've got, Dad, why did you do that? You took your hand off my back. And I never will forget. I thought, isn't that life? Isn't that what raising kids is all about? She didn't need me to help her ride that bike, but she wanted me there. My presence in that process of her learning how to ride a bike, my presence in that process gave her confidence. Gave her confidence. It's a picture of, it's a picture of parenting. It's just that our presence in the life of our family, our presence in the life of our kids gives them confidence as they, as they seek to uh, launch out, like riding a bike, launch out into life. They don't need us to tell them how to do it always. They just want us there. They want our hand right there in the small of their back, whispering in their ear, you've got this. Presence provides confidence. The greatest gift we can give our families and our kids as dads, presence. Second thing we see in this group or in this text, rather, look, look with me, verse chapter or verse number four. Verse number four, it says this, four and five, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. The second part of the job description for fathers is this, a father protects, a father protects. There's a, once again, there's a very basic thing that David's referring to, a, a physical protection. Yes, the, the shepherd protects the sheep and dads, fathers. We, we are entrusted and expected to protect our family. There's a physical dimension of that in a world and culture that wants to take the masculinity away from men. We, we are called, we're created to be warriors, we're created to defend, we're created to stand up. We have to physically protect our families. But there again, there's something deeper, there's something deeper in this text. What's David pointing out when he talks about protection? And I would say it this way, protection requires knowing and seeing so we can remind them who they are. Protection requires knowing and seeing so we can remind them who they are. Jesus in Matthew chapter nine, verse 36. There's a great scripture. It says that seeing the crowds, he felt compassion. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion, it means to be, um, it means to have that sick to your stomach, gut-wrenching reaction. 
That's how Jesus felt when he saw the crowds and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he was moved, right? He, 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 he suffered with them. And as fathers, we're called to protect our families. We're called to be there for them. But what is that protection all about? What are we protecting? In that verse, David says, and this is so important, you anoint my head with oil. He says, I'm going through valleys. Even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm surrounded by my enemies. And in life, we go through valleys, right? There's seasons of life where we go through valleys and there's seasons of life where we deal with difficult people. And David has all this going on and he says, God, you're protecting me. And he says, and you anoint my head with oil. That's a culturally significant, very significant thing that David's referring to. When you had a guest in your home in those days, when someone special showed up at your home, you would anoint their head with oil. What's David saying? In the midst of all this difficulty in my life, God, you are reminding me that I have value. You're reminding me that I'm significant. You're reminding me that I'm special. You are reminding me of my purpose and my potential. You are protecting my purpose. You are protecting my potential. And so as fathers, What's the most important thing we protect? What do we do when our kids are hurting? What do we do when they're surrounded by people that they're having a hard time with or going through the valleys of life? We anoint their head with oil. We remind them, in other words, we remind them who they are. We remind them who God has created them to be. We remind them that they're not a mistake. We remind them that they were created. They were fearfully and wonderfully made. We remind them that they're overcomers. We remind them that they are image bearers. We remind them of who they are in Christ. When the world's pushing back and the world's speaking lies into their life, we anoint their head with oil. We speak truth into the life. We protect their potential. That's what dads do. The last thing we see in this text the third job description, or part of the job description for dads is found in verse six. Look at this. Verse six. Certainly, goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life, and my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. The third thing a father does is a father preserves. Preserves. A father provides, he protects, he preserves. That word preserve simply means to keep alive, to exist, or to make something last. To make something last. No mistake about it, in this text and in the world of shepherding, the most basic thing a shepherd could do, the most basic responsibility was to keep the sheep alive. That is true. And as fathers, as Christ's followers, as we pour into the lives of our children, I want you to notice something that this text points out. What we pour into the lives of our families, what we pour into the lives of our kids has an eternal aspect. That phrase, all my days in forevers, the, the investment we make into our children is eternal. It's eternal. 
He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. In other words, what the shepherd has provided for me is going to last. It's going to endure. It is eternal. And as we pour into our families, as we pour into our kids, dads, don't, don't get it twisted. Understand there's an eternal quality to it for good or for bad. All the days of my life and forever. My favorite part of that verse, verse number six, is the last part of it. And it says this, my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. The destination, the goal of fatherhood, the goal of parenting is to lead our families, to lead our kids into the Father's house, both in this life and the one to come. This beautiful chapter that David wrote, how does it end? The Father's house. All the things the shepherd does, all the work he pours into the sheep, all the things that he has to do. What is the destination? What's the goal? The Father's house. The Father's house. A father preserves. How do you preserve? You pour into something that which is eternal. You preserve life. You add in the eternal things. Grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the eternal qualities that we seek to pour into our families to preserve their life. We invest. We invest. I'm not a financial analyst, and I don't know a lot about that world. But I do know that the greatest multiplier to investment is time. It's time. You want an investment to grow, give it time. The more time you have, the more that investment's going to grow. I've talked a lot about my dad over the years. And Father's Day is always tough for people who have lost a father, and I understand that. And I've talked a lot about the impact my dad had on my life and if you don't know, and I'll kind of just run through it real quick, my, my childhood with my father was not great. My father was not a great father. Um, my father had grew up in an abusive home, and he was conditioned to be the way that he was. His father used to beat him uh, with a bullwhip, with you name it. That was the kind of world my dad grew up in. He went into the Army served two tours in Vietnam, spent four years in the state penitentiary, was just a rough, tough, mean guy. 6'4", 280, just hard as nails. And so I grew up in that environment. And my dad got sick when he was nearing the age of 50. And he, didn't, he lived for about a year and a half after he got sick. 
But something happened to my dad in that, in that time. Something happened to my father in that year and a half. And I've got a picture that I'll show, you, show to you today. It's one of the last pictures taken of my dad. He was in the midst of treatment, and um, this picture was taken. I think he was in a camper laying down. None of that's significant. The most significant part of that picture on the screen is what's in my father's hands. Uh, he did not, I, I did not see that. It's very kind of you, thank you. But I show it to you because I, I did not see that ever growing up. This is something that only happened towards the end of his life. And, and the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it radically changed my father's life. Radically changed his life. And things started to happen in him and he started to become this new person. And he started to love his family and he started to do all the things we're talking about today. You know, he started to provide for us way beyond just the physical need, but trying to provide for us spiritually. He started trying to protect us, not just the physical part, but protect us when it came to our hearts and speak truth into our life. And he started to try to help preserve our life by modeling a Christ-like example and, and representing what a, what a father, a godly father really looks like and acts like. He, he was working hard to do all those things. And we were at a four-way stop. I never will forget it. We were at a four-way stop in my little hometown and we were sitting in my, my Volkswagen Jetta and, uh, and we're there at the stop sign and out of nowhere, he, uh, he got very emotional. My father never got emotional. And he's, he had some tears in his eyes and he looked at me and he said, son, he said, I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready to die. He said, there's so much, there's so much I wanna make right. There's so much I wanna do. And I just wish, I just wish I had more time. I just wish I had more time. The job of a father to provide, protect, and preserve the life of his children is one that the end of our life, the end of our life, Tragic to look back and think, I should have started sooner. I wish I had more time. 